This show is brought to you by Drift Outfitters in Toronto at 199 Queen Street East. Drift is remaining open during these difficult times, but with a new way of getting you your fly fishing goods without allowing customers into the shop. Visit them online at driftoutfitters.com to order products and take advantage of free shipping across Canada on orders over 100 bucks. Why not help them out during this difficult time for small businesses? Give them a shout out on Instagram. Got a great photo to share? Tag at Drift Outfitters. Also, you can tag your fly tying picks with hashtag self-isolation to show your friends and your followers how you're spending your downtime. Giving Drift more exposure and love right now is one way we can help keep them going. These are tough times, and we must find a way to continue supporting our community store. Visit driftoutfitters.com for more information. Hello and welcome to another episode of So Fly. It is uh, the end of May and uh, we're back recording uh, once again. Uh, my name is Mitch. We've got Aldo here. Hello. And we've got a very special guest on the show today. Uh, super excited to be talking to someone we met back at the uh, the uh, the fly fishing show in Toronto a little while back. Um, we've got owner and operator of Esnagami Lodge in Northern Ontario. We've got Eric on the show. How's it going, Eric? Good, good. Hello, guys. Uh, good, to, good to catch up again. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on today. We're so excited. We uh, have a little bit of extra time on uh, a long weekend like this to be doing something like this as opposed to, I think I know of other places I'd rather be, maybe on some water, <laughs> but nonetheless, really appreciate the opportunity, guys. Absolutely. Um, you've got a really nice little background. We can see a, a big brook trout behind you. Um, obviously, there's some good brook trout fishing up in your neck of the woods, eh? Yes, uh, that's one of the main three fish that we like to chase around up in our area. Being we're uh, we're actually north of northeast of Thunder Bay, okay. and uh, the lodge is about three and a half hours drive northeast of there to Nikina's small jumping off part uh, town, and then uh, we fly into the lodge from there. So that region of Ontario, the lakes and rivers are flowing in the other direction. So uh, Arctic watershed. So along with lots of pike and you know the great walleye fishing that have up there, you've got the brook trout in the rivers, which is really a you know a yeah. great. Situation. So a nice variety of fish. So how's the weather out there right now? Like this time of year, do you guys have snow still or the snow is probably gone by now? Eh? Uh, there has been, uh, there's still ice on the lake right now. Okay. Uh, I talked, uh, I'm in London at the moment. We normally are at the lodge by now. Yeah. Typically we'll fly in and land on ice in early May. And then oh, wow. it's usually out by around the middle to third week of May. We, we usually open the last week of May. So uh, in answer to that question, it's not an early spring up there this year, so uh, we're not kind of fighting the late ice out. But uh, having said that, we we are hoping if we if we do get the go ahead from the province that we can get our operation up and running in June. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, so it's been a you know overall it was a bit of a, an easier winter I think, but that far north it's always winter like. <laughs> So, uh, and, and, the, and the good thing about that, really only five months of the year where there isn't ice on the lake up there, it just means your, your water body is very cold and the fishing is a lot less seasonal. Right. Uh, we basically, you know, our spring opener isn't like a, a few days or a week. We have five weeks of spring type fishing. So that's the, the nice thing about it. It's a little more consistent. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, super excited to start talking about the lodge, but I think first maybe we'll start with um, your fly fishing background and how you got into the sport. Um, because of course, uh, I think the the love of opening a lodge has to come from some sort of fly fishing passion or outdoors passion to begin with. So how did you get into fly fishing? When did it all start? 
Um, what's the story behind that? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I, I've actually been in the industry now for uh, well, a little over 30 years and uh, always a, a crazy fishing kid like a lot of us are uh, right from an early age. Mm-hmm. Uh, at university, I went to Guelph and uh, in university, I had a job working as a fishing guide for a couple of uh, summers. And so that's how I, I kind of got my foot in the door. And then uh, I had a decision to make. I think I was around uh, in my early 20s, I uh, decided, you know, this is definitely this is the life for me. I'd love to do this. So I was very fortunate to be able to get a, a small lodge yeah. um, at, at that time. And uh, really wasn't into fly fishing too much back then. Um, I had that lodge. It was in the Wawa area for about six years. And then an opportunity oh, nice. to um, purchase Esmagami Lodge uh, further north and, you know, a little bit more uh, uh, remote, more uh, expansive fishery and, and different varieties. So, um you know, popped into the, that lodge and it's just been, you know, I can't believe where the years have gone and they have flown by. So uh, fly fishing really came around probably 20 years ago. Uh, we were uh, put up, opening up our lodge and it was the end of May, early June. So it was, it was spring fishing and we had a couple of guys and we, we, we fished for, for big pike in shallows that time of year. It's a lot of fun because you yeah. can sight fish them. And, and oh, wow. uh, so we had a couple of guys up with a fly rod and they outfished everybody at the lodge. Yeah. Uh, it was like, okay, you got my attention. And <laughs> so, uh, from, from a, you know, a lodge owner point of view, it's uh, it's another tool to, uh, provide an opportunity for your guests to catch fish. So I, I started fly fishing, you know, I've done some, but not really, you know, so I pick up, uh, you know, eight, 10, couple eight, 10 weight rods and yeah. started the process of learning, learning what, fly fishing is on our lake mm-hmm. and it took a few years to, to be honest uh the shoulder is a little sore that first summer but as uh, time grew you know you get your uh, rhythm in the casting and uh, i also needed to learn you know what the fishing was like in the first part of the season mid-season late season whether it was really a, a good opportunity to uh, open up and have guests in and uh, going back to where the cold water situation is up there, like even in the middle of the summer, which we consider mid-July to mid-August, uh, you're fishing really in four to six foot water column. So it's obviously very uh, attainable with a fly rod. Yeah. And uh, I think it was around 2010, so yeah, about 10 years ago, uh, I had a couple of uh, fly fishing friends, a uh, guy that guides on the Maitland, uh, you may know him, uh, Mike. Uh, Virhoff, and then uh, also Colin McEwen, a uh, new fly fisher. We were doing a lot of talking, and so I had uh, had him up, and it was like, okay, you have got fly fishing up here to offer, and so we outfitted our boats. We have, we have casting decks, started learning fly tying, teaching our guides. Oh, we, we opened shop uh, around eight, nine years ago for fly fishing guests, and it's our fastest growing clientele that we have. Really? So it, wow. Yeah, so it's been a real, uh, it's a labor of uh, a labor of love. It's turned into like a major passion. Yeah. So uh, I pretty much fly fish the majority of the time when I get a chance to get out. And yeah. growing up steelheader, I spay fly down here and that. And it's just, yeah. you know, it's just become not only a, a great opportunity for the business, but also just personally, it's a, it's a really enjoy it. Absolutely. Do you remember your Dude. first uh, fish on the fly rod, by any chance? I, I do. Uh, now that one I did not land because 
there was still some uh, slowing of reaction from the brain to the reel. And it's not like you don't grab your reel on a fly rail rod to yeah. uh, slow a steelhead down from taking off. Yeah. But um, I have to say that I think my most memorable moment was was brook trout fishing on on a river, on the Isthmian River. And yeah. I was uh, starting to dabble a bit and tying up a, a few flies. And, and I tied up this fly that was more like a, a wounded quarter of a chicken looking thing than anything resembling a you know, a fly or bait yeah. fish and was down the river, uh, made a nice roll cast out by a large rock. The water's going by there pretty quick. And a twitch or two, I saw this form move and then a, a beautiful brook trout hit the fly. And I, I landed, it was about 17 inches. And I, I caught many brook trout prior to that on spinning gear. Yeah. But you would think that that was the first fish I ever caught. It was so exciting because, you know, we were able to tie a fly go through the process, uh, you know, catch, see the fish hit. And uh, yeah. so that one there, I think, is one that sticks in my mind. The other was a uh, very large pike that oh, nice. uh, was 44 inches. Yeah. So it's the largest pike that I had uh, have landed, and I caught it in shallow water spring fishing on fly rods. So uh, funny thing about that story is that guiding a couple of guys that were spin fishermen, and one fell at the front of the boat, actually had a pretty mid thirties pike, maybe 36 or so on. And they didn't see that I had hooked this fish at the back, at the, at the back of the boat. And I basically, uh, this guy, his name was Mort and, him and his brother, uh, Cheech were up. And I said, Mort, shake that thing off. He goes, are you kidding? <laughs> this thing's a nice fish. And it was, but <laughs> he turns around at, at that moment, this fish came up and just rolled at the surface and then he was going, Oh God. Okay. I'm shaking it off. Oh, man. <laughs> so, um, and in between, you know, there's, there's been so many fish over the years. And I think, as you guys know, sometimes we, uh, after, after landing a nice fish or, or even as much fun watching a friend catch a fish or if you're guiding a client, you know, fish of a lifetime, sometimes you just got to sit down and just absorb what that is and, and really try to oh, kind of burn it in your memory. Yeah. Because they're all cool. For sure. Oh, yeah. Those are the, my two first, I got, I say, most memorable. Yeah, those are pretty memorable. I mean, those are such great Ontario stories too, you know. Um, I think thinking about your lodge now, um, what are some of the fishing opportunities? Because you guys are north of Thunder Bay, you said. Obviously, like though that is just like prime Ontario species, brook trout, pike, walleye, that kind of stuff, right? Right, absolutely. And so those are the three kind of fish that are our main attraction. Uh, and we catch all three. I mean, pike and, and brook trout are, are, are the two main ones for brook trout uh, for uh, fly fishing uh, guests that come up, but walleyes are readily available. You know, we catch a lot of them on flies as well. Yeah. Uh, especially, you know, in the, um, say mid, late June, mid June to mid July, they're, they're up on a lot of sandbars on our lake and then uh, drifting across sandbars is, is really a lot of fun. You can use uh, clousers and small deceivers and, you know, uh, sink tip, you don't need a full sinking line. So it's mm-hmm. not like you're hauling a, you know, heavy line out there, but those are our three main fish. We do have uh, white fish in the spring. Uh, for about two, three weeks after we open. And in the fall, late August, early September, they come out of the depths and they're quite shallow. And you can pick them up on a fly rod as well. And, and they have a major wiggle action for, for their, uh, their fun to catch as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah, that'd be super cool. Whitefish, that would be that'd be a first for me. Absolutely, on the, yeah. fly, on the fly. I mean, on the yeah, fly. Yeah. Ice fishing, not so much, but yeah. On the fly. Yeah, well, they're very, uh, they're, you know, very broad, deep fish, so they, they do have a, a lot of uh, bush to them. So they're a lot, a lot of fun. I kind of... Uh, I, been fishing in Florida on a number of occasions and uh, caught some, I believe they're called Creval, Jack Creval down there. Yep. They're like a more of a big hub cut, hub cap 
uh, type of fish, so they have a lot of displacement in the water, and they're they're very similar to the whitefish. They, they do give a great bite, and they're a lot of fun to catch. Oh, you cool. don't get uh, huge, but three to four pounds would be a decent fish in our. Seems pretty big, yeah. Because those are those are those guys are pike food up there, right? Like that's what the pike well, are snacking on. Yes, exactly. So yeah. that's <laughs> what they are, and it's it, it, it's a good interesting that you mentioned that because once we get to the mid latter part of August, we typically will get. Uh, some cooler weather happening it's like fall in southern ontario right uh, after a frost or two you start to uh, the water starts cool water starts to fall through uh, into the uh, water column the bait fish move up high to the top four or five feet and then of course which are cisco and whitefish to some degree and then the pike are now looking like right near the surface so you can have a lot of fun with just, just subsurface flies or poppers or Kind of a musky, more musky sized flies because they do tend to feed heavier that time of year. Yeah, huh. that's cool. cool. That's super neat. You're doing any fishing? You're calling us from London today, correct? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's our off-season home, as in London, Ontario. Did you do any steelheading this year? Uh, yes, I, I did. I got out uh, opening day and nice. had a great uh, day. Got a couple of couple of fish landed. Uh, beautiful steelhead, maybe five, seven pounds, something like that. And, and awesome. So my son and I went out a few days later. We didn't get any steelhead, but we uh, did manage to catch and release uh, the bass. We were really hitting uh, out of season, of course, but uh, we carefully releasing them. But we we had a lot of fun getting a few. So uh, usually, uh, as I mentioned, I'm, I'm north by now, so yeah. I get I get uh, one or two shots at steelheading in the spring. Fall time is definitely when I can catch up on that uh, yeah. itch to scratch. <laughs> yeah, nice. for sure. Nice. So, um, okay. So Estagami Lodge, the fishing opportunities up there, it's mostly river fishing. Is there some lake fishing? Yeah. yeah so it's both to? actually. So the majority of fishing for pike and walleye, uh, pike especially is on the main lake. Okay. And we're, we're a pretty, uh, it's a big body of water. Uh, it's around 18,000 acres. Uh, that's 120 miles around the perimeter. There's over 200 islands on the lake. So oh, wow. it's an absolutely gorgeous body of water to, to go and, 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 you know, there's 200 islands, so there's so many areas to fish. Yeah. So we fish for pike and walleye on the main lake, the river that flows out of the lake and it flows up, which is north. It's, it's kind mm. of odd, but it, yeah. that's the river we run to do the brook trout fishing. And uh, so there's a lot of walleye in the river as well. You, you catch a lot of walleye on, your, on a fly rod as well. Um, and then aside from fishing the main body of water, we have several small little side lakes. We have boats and motors portaged into and you can do these great little half day adventures uh, so there's a lot of variety once you once you get there and honestly uh, with that amount of water uh, we, we have guests that come for years and you, you never fish the same area and there's fish spread out from one end of the lake to the other so the nice thing about that is uh, it's a spring-fed lake so there's not really a, any inflow of water so the fish shoal spawn on the lake yeah. So oh, there's nothing cool. pushing them up a river to spawn. You know, a lot of lakes have a, a river that flows in, and then everyone's fishing in that area. And then as the summer progresses, they migrate into the, the summer uh, locations. But yeah. they shoal spawn on the lake. So they're from one end of the lake to the other right from the start. And you wow. can go five minutes from the lodge and catch fish. You can go an hour, hour and a half, and the other end of the lake and, and catch fish. So the nice thing about it that it really spreads everybody out. And you can really, you know, stretch your legs when you're out in the week and, and never really fish the same area uh, twice. So it's it's nice. And it's very productive in, in all over the body, all over the lake. Oh, man. That's amazing. Yeah. Just stretches of big pike and walleye and the lake. Oh, my God. Um, what what do your clientele? Like, you have a lot of people coming down from the U.S. And, and up from the U.S. and the rest of Canada as well? 
Right. Well, so uh, like a lot of lodges, you know, we do have quite a few U.S. clientele. Yeah. But um, we're one of the few that that actually we do have a, a enough of a, a claim. Like we've got a forty percent Canadian clientele oh, and yeah. a sixty percent mm. American clientele. So okay. uh, mm. this is the reason that we're going to be able to open this year. Yeah. Like there's, as you probably know, there are a lot of camps that are not going to be able to open their doors. It's just already too late at this point in time. But uh, having that, we really have derived a lot of Canadian clientele over, uh, and we, we've had a few shows like the new fly fisher up and yep. uh, a couple other ones from Canada. And we do the Toronto, uh, some of the sports, sports shows in Toronto. We were in Hamilton with the Isaac Walton on a, on a few occasions when they still ran that. So we really have developed a good uh, following, mostly from Ontario. And uh, so definitely uh, that's, uh, but Typically, we get a few from, you know, Europe or whatever, but the majority of our guests are Southern Ontario and Midwest U.S. Awesome. And I, I love that you say that fly fishing is a growing thing up there. That's so cool to um, to hear about. And I wonder I wonder how it's this year it's going to be affected. I mean, it's going to be a little bit of a quieter season, I suppose, since you're just going to be having mostly Canadian, uh, your Canadian clientele coming to the lodge. I wonder right. how COVID is going to affect, you know, um, I wonder if it would affect the fishing at all, but probably not because it's such a, there's really no pressure up there. It's just you guys up there, really, right? Well, for our situation, and I, I think I know what you're you're mentioning is because you know there's talk of certain areas now where there's like deer wandering down. Yes, and stuff exactly. Like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, with less pressure in many areas, that definitely is going to uh, probably be beneficial for the fishery. Uh, where we are, literally, it's such a short season. We have a, a 14 week season, so it's very short. And we're very, very proactive on trophy catch and release as well. We, we have not harvested big fish from this lake since we have owned it, which is close to 30 years now. So uh, that's the first main thing is to take care of your main producers, spawners. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, you can. Uh, so this whole situation uh, drive when I, when I was able to get us again, being the only lodge on the lake, I was able to have an opportunity to be quite proactive in, in fish management. So. Uh, did a little bit of uh, work and research, talked to a local biologist in uh, Geraldton area, up in Thunder Bay area. Yeah. And I said, what does it take to create and maintain a good high quality fishery? And so we came up with a couple of, of numbers to uh, look at releasing fish at. So for walleye, it was 24 inches. Yeah. And for northern, it was 30 inches. So basically any fish that was 24 inches or longer walleye, 30 inches or longer northern, mm-hmm. we have been releasing them for all these years. We have about 500 of those a year released. Wow. Thank you. Wow. So, well, so, sorry, going back to when you purchased, you've had the lodge for how long now? It'd be 30 uh, years this year. Wow. Yeah. Was it in operation before you purchased it or? It was, yes. Yeah. So it was yeah. a very, it was a very rustic operation. 30 years, wow. It's been around since the, probably the late 60s. Uh, and uh, when we took it over, we started to, modernize it degree, bring in more modern and, and you know 25 years ago or so it was difficult to for catch and release it was a new concept in a lot of yeah. areas we actually lost a fair bit of business when we decided to do that mm, but wow. having said that we soon filled in with guests that embraced that program yeah. and um, you know we really you know had, the main reason behind it was that we could hopefully uh, provide good fishing for a foreseeable future yeah and so just that far north fish live 20 to 30 years it's they live because it's such a slow growing yeah. uh, time period so right if you remove too many year classes you, you can really put a dent in and it's hard for the fisheries to recover so 
you took a you take a 24 inch walleye and it's probably around eight to ten years old yeah. and it would spawn up to a hundred thousand eggs a year you let that fish go in in that year uh, at, say the 10 year of age and for the next 15 years that one fish is producing a hundred thousand eggs a year yeah. year to year and you cannot stock better than nature can produce yeah so, you know, it took a few years before we started to see some of the feedback, but you could see the size of our fish and the amount of larger fish being caught was yeah. increasing. You know, it took about five, six years. There was so many, and then another five, six years. Uh, we never saw a lot of fish over 40 inches uh, back 25 years ago. Now, every year, there's, there's quite a few in that 40 to 47, 48 inch range. Wow. So that, uh, it, it does work, but yeah. it, it Took a, it took a while to get it going, and I have to take a shout out to our guests who have embraced that program because it's mm -hmm. really helped us to manage it. And, um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, it's well, good like on it, you for spearheading that for sure. Yeah, yeah. it sounds like you yeah. came in right at the right time too. You know, geez, like thirty years well, ago, but it's good. Yeah, exactly. So catch and release is now pretty common. Yeah, you know, every, everybody does it. But when you lay groundwork like that twenty years ago, mm -hmm. it, it really is remarkable what it can achieve. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So going back those 30 years, how did you guys like, this is, we, we talked a little bit about how you, you bought the lodge, but how did you find the land? Like what was the process in just buying that, that lodge? Sure. So the, uh, I'd already had a lodge prior to this yeah. and was deciding at that juncture that I would like to, you know, get into a different type of operation and move further north. So pretty much putting the word out in the industry uh, that uh, was looking to move into a different operation. And so it wasn't really like it was, something you can go out and kick the tires on and check out lodges like this do not come up too often yeah. so mm -hmm. i was just fortunate to be in the right place at the right time and i got some knowledge of, of this lodge being for sale and was able to move and complete a complete transaction to get a hold of it that's awesome yeah I, re I love that's super cool i mean i love that um you know you found such an it's such an interesting place in ontario i haven't really spent a lot of time there yet um but it's such a cool place to go because it's so far out, you know, like from, from Southern Ontario. That's def definitely a good point yeah. because, you know, if you think about it in, in the world and I, I, when people say, wow, it's like it's a 14, 15 hour drive yeah. and I go, yeah, it's, it's a hike, but think about it. Where else in the world can you actually get in your vehicle mm -hmm. and, and, and leave a city mm -hmm. and drive in one day basically mm -hmm. and get in an area where you can, you know, have an, a phenomenal fishery, you can see moose, bear. We see a lot of woolen caribou, and so it's it, we don't realize. I think is what we have in our backyard in Ontario, and, yeah. and you don't go that far to get to that. So it's 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 really very fortunate. Yeah. Oh man, a hundred percent. That's a really good point about yeah. Like it, in to say fourteen hours is a lot, but you, like you said, you're in a day, you're in a completely different, um, almost like. You're in a completely different setting. You're in a, and that's the cool thing about it. You, when you drive up, you see the progression start to happen and then trees start getting smaller. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Roads get smaller, narrower, and the trees <laughs> get more and the lakes get more. So you're not like driving and you're seeing the same scenery. Now you're up and you know, you do get a chance to see wildlife and that. So you really feel like, and you will know that you're in a place where there's not as many people obviously and uh, you know, the, the nature is beautiful absolutely as well absolutely. i think for us when we drove up to her because we, we we flew with hearst air two years ago yeah very similar that was our first time that far north or at least for yeah. me anyway and yeah 
it definitely it provides perspective which i think is priceless like yeah, it's, it's nice. like whoa like yeah. <laughs> you are up there you know and and it's cool it's cool what we have in ontario yeah, oh, yeah. it is I, I think there are four hundred thousand lakes in ontario and rivers water bodies alone which is the is the highest volume in any of the provinces all across canada and you know we have a lot of gorgeous country across our nation here so mm -hmm. Yeah, there's almost more water than land up there. When you fly into some of these places, maybe you guys noticed it when you flew out of Hearst, but there's water everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah it's just little puddles and pools and spotted all over the landscape. It is really exceptional. Yeah, Absolutely. So maybe we talk about um, if people are listening and thinking about, you know, they're getting a little itchy maybe to do some fishing trips. Um, Ontario obviously is a great place to explore. What is a classic, what is a typical kind of trip to Esnagami Lodge entail? Like if people wanted to plan a trip, say, you know, for, for a week or so up to your, up to your spot. Sure. So we have a, a couple different options as far as types of trips you can do. So it's all remote. It's fly-in fishing. So whether you fly into where our, our main lodge is located on, on the big Esnagami Lake, we also have a couple of outpost camps on okay. uh, the river. Uh, so there's two options there. So you can fly in and have a full service plan called American plan. So basically all your meals are included, yeah. uh, boats and motors. Uh, we use 18 foot cedar strip boats, all your gas is included Amazing. food and that. So kind of a one cost covers all uh, plan. Yeah. Then for that's guests. And, yeah. Uh, so that, that's the plan I say where you don't have to do anything, but go fishing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, <laughs> that's a great, I mean, that's a, and you, and you're still super remote at that main lodge, right? Uh, oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So uh, there are some guests that do like to do their own, uh, make their own kind of schedules up and, and have their own pace. And we have uh, cabins that have full kitchens in them. So typically there we will, uh, we'll, if we get your grocery order ahead of time, we'll have your food at the camp for you oh, in man. your cabin. So you oh, don't wow. have to haul it in. When you fly in, there are, there are some weight uh, things to be aware of. Yeah. Uh, but those guests would uh, get all the same services, except that they're providing their own meals and doing their own pace. Um, and uh, you know, some like to do that. And uh, the outpost camps is more uh, dedicated. You fly to uh, one of our rustic outpost camps on the river, and they're uh, for the real do-it-yourselfers down there. We provide flights and the cabin, and then you know your equipment, both motor, gas, and then you're off and running there. So that's our that's our three main packages. Okay. Up in the main camp, we have full guide service there, and for being on such a big body of water, we're pretty busy guiding for the most part. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it isn't the kind of lake that you, you need a guide to catch fish there, but uh, have someone give you a little bit of a hand the first couple, three days around, uh, mm -hmm. you know, show you some of the main areas and, uh, you know, the style of the fish, whether you're spin fishing or fly fishing. Um, after I find a couple of days as a guide, most guests can do quite well on their own. Right. A handheld GPS is a great tool to bring along <laughs> yeah. 200 islands. But uh, overall, we, uh, we can do guiding every day or partial days and, uh, we have, as I mentioned, uh, our boats uh, for fly fisher guests. Uh, we have casting decks in them because cool. uh, one thing I did learn very quickly is if there's something to catch a fly line on in a boat, <laughs> you catch your fly line oh, yeah. on. Absolutely. Yeah, so the decks are nice to help that. Oh, yeah, 100%. Do you, do you guide still? Uh, absolutely. Okay, great. Awesome. Not as much as I'd like to. Yeah, <laughs> right. Of course. But uh, no, I, I as I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, this this livelihood for me wasn't something that uh, I did because of, you know, earning an income and that it's, it was a, it's a love of fishing and I was just Amazing. fortunate to, 
evolve it into a, you know, we, we have a very comfortable, uh, you know, our whole family and our two kids go up there as well and, and they help out at the lodge as well as my wife, Sue. And, um, so yeah, no, that's pretty fun. I love that's a family, whole family thing. It's gotta be a good time every summer, eh? Like getting everybody out there and pitching in. Yep. Yeah, definitely. And we also have a staff, uh, we have a chef as well. And then we have five to six guides and a couple, uh, um, uh, server serving staff as well. So not a real large uh, operation. You get the chance to know us and you can, you can really see we, we try to put people in place that enjoy and want to be up there just like you know we do yeah and I, I, we really feel it shows in, in the way we run our business and the atmosphere around camp yeah yeah and for for a flying lodge it's not um it's, it's not i wouldn't you know i haven't been there yet but um judging by the pictures it's not like a it's not very ru- like it's the pretty rustic. homey it's not i wouldn't call it rustic like it's a pretty nice lodge yeah <laughs> Oh, yeah. sure. Yeah. The camp, yeah. the camp itself, very comfortable. The cabins have all got inside bathrooms and showers and nice. provide bedding, blankets, linens, you know, very nice log cabins. Yeah. So yeah, that, uh, it is, it's a place you can go, you can get back, you can go out and be in the back of a bay and not see anybody all day long, yeah. uh, but then come back to the comforts of, of home, so to speak. Do you find people hang out with each Is there like little, do people hang out with each other in the main lodge, like uh, chat about their fishing? Uh, there's day? some degree, but you know, that far North is stays light late. Like, oh yeah. You know, once, once we get to middle of June, it, it isn't dark till 11 o'clock. Right. Oh, man, yeah. right. So we have a lot of free people fish when they come up there. So yeah. Yeah. if there's any socializing, typically we do a, a group shore lunch one day during the week. So we'll kind of pick an island out in the lake and we do a, as a, a real nice cook up for the guests. And it, that, I find that that opportunity there, then, you know, people get a chance to, to meet some of the other guests in camp and it's a, it's a real nice uh, day to swap some fish stories. And uh, also in the dining room when we are having meals, Mm-hmm. Uh, normal circumstances anyway uh guests right. tend to uh you know talk and meet and there's yeah. a lot of a lot of very fun camaraderie as well no absolutely yeah i mean it sounds like uh, just thinking about like summertime shore lunch on an island with you know a bunch of fly f- bunch of fishers and anglers that man that sounds so fun right now i can't even yeah, it is yeah. not even to mention if... those fresh walleye oh yeah geez. oh yeah oh, oh you know about that and there's even a fly tying room bench Something yes, uh, in our in our main lodge, we have a table there with a, a lot of fly fishing, a lot of fly tying and, yeah, material, and guests and guides are welcome to come up. And a lot of times, if it's a rainy night after dinner, yeah. uh, quite often be a couple, a couple of us up there tying some flies up or helping yeah, uh, awesome. you know, people who maybe are wanting to learn to tie flies. Yeah. Uh, but so we have everything right there where we can you know, really help the, uh, both the, um, avid, uh, fly fisher and the, and someone who's maybe starting off learning how to fly fish, uh, setting up their gear, you know, putting sink tip on if, if need be. And just, uh, the one nice thing about up there is I, I will say, and, I, and we've had a number of, uh, of guests who were spin fishers. And then as they saw our fly fishing kind of, um, way we were doing things at the lodge increased start wanting to know more about and learn so it's a place where you can go out and with a little bit of work and a some instruction and getting some casting you can you catch fish right away so yeah. it's not like you're putting in all this time and, and finally you know you know months or weeks later you might catch a fish you're like catching fish right away the fishing's that right. good yeah exactly it, it's awesome. really nice to uh, have that 
feedback so quick. And, oh, that's awesome. So yeah, we're very we're completely equipped with from flight time. Like we have a flight a shop as well. You can buy equipment oh, there. That's cool. And uh, you know our, our nice our goal is to have everyone uh, you know do the best that they can. So we yeah. do whatever we need to provide that. That yeah, sounds like a special place, man. You've really got it figured out. Jeez, that's awesome. What? So you touched on this a little bit, but what is it that you that keeps you going when it comes to being an owner and operator? What like what do you love about about owning and running the lodge? Because it sounds like a lot of work too. Yeah, it is. It's absolutely a lot of work, and you know, going on now thirty years, uh, you would think that okay, there's got to be some burnout coming. But uh, I, th- I think a couple of things uh, for me is uh, it's seasonal. So we basically run, you know, June, July, and August, one week in May and one week in September. And I mean, it just, you click your fingers and your season is done yet again. Right. Right. The main thing is, I think it's going back to being able to be out there and there's a lot, there's not many distractions. You know, you're out with your friends, you're out with your family. And you get to spend time and it's a shared experience. I thought, you know, what is it? What is it about fly fishing? What is it about fishing that really, you know, there's something there. It's a crazy sport for us. But I, you know, if you think about it, uh, as much as it's thrilling to catch, you know, a big fish or a a challenging fish and and that on your own, if you're out with a friend and they get into a, a fish of a lifetime or that, you share that experience, you know, you, you, you live that through and you want to see them do as well. And so I, I think it's a brotherhood for yeah. me, uh, you know, I'm not, there's no easy explanation, but I just think you share that incredible experience of being in the outdoors, you know, you know, casting and learning yeah. how to do that and having challenges. And then when you, you hook and you land fish, uh, it's just a very satisfying and seeing people enjoy themselves, that's that's yeah. the main juice that keeps keeps me going for sure. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. You you kind of hinted at, you know, uh, you know, in normal times, you know, people might hang out at the dining room. I'm sure you've had to take some interesting precautions opening back up. Uh, what are some of the challenges you're gonna face this summer? Yeah. Or what how can things be different? Maybe? Sure. So COVID nineteen, I've changed it into a four letter word myself. <laughs> which I won't really right now, but it's changed <laughs> the world that we live in yeah. um, everything right now. So we feel that once we are given the go ahead to uh, open again, and I think it's coming and we're heading in that direction yeah. uh, with uh, the, you know, the province unfolding various mm-hmm. businesses that Sue, my wife and myself have sat down and we've taken a very, very detailed look at our entire operation and looked at every component of it. Uh, how are we going to best safely operate this summer to ensure that our staff and, and our guests are comfortable and uh, in a situation where they feel like their best interests are being watched? Uh, I mean, ultimately, by the time you get to Essendon Lodge, you know, there's going to be some filters where you, the, the service, air service that you fly in, and so on and so forth. By the time you get to the lodge, I, you know, we're, we're, confident from Sault Ste. Marie to Thunder Bay there's been four cases of COVID in the entire north so it's not like oh, it's, wow, yeah you know, so that there yeah. now the challenge is you know how do we manage and, and take care of things so we keep it that way so mm-hmm. uh just briefly a couple of I won't go into it because we have a two-page document we put oh yeah, yeah just on. just just real quick yeah, yeah just, just a couple of anything. things yeah. uh, the, the flight in is one spot where um, the air service is going to have a plexiglass uh, barrier between the cock, cockpit and the uh, 
passenger area, much, I guess, like a cab, I guess okay. you might look at. Wow. And guests are going to be required to uh, hand sanitize. They're going to be required to wear masks as well. Like the pilot will wear masks uh, as well. So uh, when the flight in, and then the plane will also be sanitized between each flight. Right. Yes. Right. So I, I think that's a really good step. Uh, and, you know, I was happy to hear that they put thought into that. Mm-hmm. And on our end, uh, we're going to be, you know, looking in at the social. I mean, ultimately, I feel that social responsibility is probably at the top of all of this because mm-hmm. if people don't, uh, you know, buy into and understand and practice uh, these, then, you know, it's not going to work no matter how many rules there are out there. But mm-hmm. um, having said that, you know, we'll make, we'll screen guests and make sure that they are not going to be coming up with any indication at all of, of having it. Yeah. And then when they get the camp, you know, we'll, we normally greet with a, with a, you know, very hearty ham, handshake or mostly hugs and that it's going to be like a long distance. So, High five. <laughs> yeah. A not long. spay rod long distance, say, but <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe a jigging rod. Uh, six foot. <laughs> Hello, how are you? Welcome to the lodge. Yeah. And uh, so we'll move gear up to their cabin. And once you have your cabin there, you'll be the only ones there the entire week. Right. Right. It's like naturally distance. Yeah. <laughs> normally we, we clean the cabin every day and have that. So we're not going to do that this year. Uh, we'll have hand sanitizers in every cabin and every door. Uh, for our dining room, we will most likely start out doing like Uber Eats or skip the dishes. Uh, so we'll bring meals to your cabin for you. And uh, you just uh, set them out in the bins outside the cabin once you're done. And uh, our boats are, um, they're, they're 18 foot cedar strip boats. So they're pretty large and there's plenty of room in there once uh, once you board uh, the boat with a guide to have plenty of social distancing uh, with that. Um, anytime that we have to cross paths or say guides are getting into a boat with a guest and we would ask that both guests and our, and our guides will wear masks until you're mm-hmm. out of the water. So precautions that maybe, you know, we might look at six months or a year from now and think, you know what, that was kind of, but we would rather err on the side of caution. Than, For sure. So, yeah. So that, that's a few of the highlights that we are thinking of uh, implementing this year to try to best uh, operate our place in, in the safest manner as possible. Nice. Yeah. That's, I mean, that sounds like you guys are doing quite a bit of good stuff to, uh, to prepare. It's such a weird thing, you know, just to think about flying in a float plane and people are wearing masks and things like that. Yeah. Like it's such a bizarre yeah. world we're living in, but it, it is, but I think, you know, even around here, you know, I've had out, gone out to, on occasion to get a few things and, you know, you, I, and you know, I've used a mask for the first time the last couple of weeks, and you know, it's not a big deal. No, it's not. You just do it. Yeah, you just do it. Yeah, exactly. It's not um, forever, especially like if you have some cool little stuff's mom. My my girlfriend's mom knit like these these masks with little maple leaves on them. I don't know. It's kind of fun. I, I, I actually oh, yeah. kind of don't mind wearing it around. It's. it's you figure like a company like Buff would have hopped on that. Yeah, we can all have fly fishing masks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm thinking like a. A big pike mouth or bear. Oh, that would be cool. That is a good <laughs> idea. There's, there's an idea out there for uh, someone. Oh man, that's a great idea. Yes, yeah, he's the jaws of a pike. Buff yeah, to jump on this. Exactly. Come on, Buff. Let's do this thing. Um, okay. Esnagami masks. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Every episode, every uh, every every uh, show, we ask every guest the same five questions, um, and they're called Mitchie's Fishies Five because there's five questions, and they're just about um, kind of. His your, name's Mitchie. My name's Mitchie, and there's five. Right. Of them. Oh yeah, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> Fishy questions, kind of just about uh, your fishing life, and um, just kind of broader fly fishing questions. So I'm going to ask you those right now. Um, so the first one is, what is your favorite fish, and why? 
Uh, <laughs> that's that's tough. I'm gonna say, uh, let's see, growing up steelheader or four or five pound brook trout, <laughs> twenty pound pike. <laughs> yeah, and you got does it have to be one? You've got some good I, uh, stuff to choose I, I from. I think that it's probably the brook trout. Okay, mm. that's my that's my favorite. Just. I think because the, the groundwork for that was, was sown when I was a kid growing up in Southern Ontario, uh, right. you know, we'd go out and, and fish the little farm creeks, uh, you know, where you get on your hands and knees and you, you poke your pole through the cedars and you yeah. flip a little six or eight inch brook trout into the grass and go looking for it. Yeah. And then <laughs> fast forward 20 years up in Northern Ontario, Northern watershed, on a steelhead sized river catching two, four, five, six pound would be our top end fish to grow up on your hands and knees fishing in streams and then to go to that. It's it's so you, the appreciation and, and the excitement of it is so cool. So I, I'm going to say brook trout for that reason. I think it's a great answer. I mean, I, I think for anglers growing up uh, who grew up in Ontario and, you know, have spent their lives fishing Ontario, it's such an Ontario fish, you know, when I think about yeah. trout, I think or Ontario, I think about brook trout, really. Right. It's a great answer. Um, especially the ones you're catching up there. Jesus, five, <laughs> five pound brook trout, oh my God. Um, okay, number two is if you could fish anywhere in the world right now, where would you go and why would you go there? Assuming it's the best time to go there. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, wow, great question. I went to Patagonia last year. What? Oh, wow. Oh, my God. Yeah, what is right. So... <laughs> Because I've been there already, I guess I can't use that one. But no, you can. You can definitely. You can if definitely I didn't, some... I would go there again. Just, just a phenomenal experience, and uh, just you know, this again. It was an example of going somewhere so different in the world. You know, fishing mm-hmm. the Andes, basically, yeah. right at the southern part of uh, Patagonia, and it was really, really a, a cool experience. I would like to, I would like to go east and west in Canada, yeah. uh, up to Labrador, and I, and I would like to go up to the territories and, and uh, chase some char around. I think those are two destinations. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're in our own country, but they are so unique, and there's very little of that in the world. Yeah. Um, but Patagonia was pretty darn great. Oh, man, that sounds like a heck of a trip. I mean, just yeah, giant browns, incredible landscape, eh? Like. Yeah, it was, it was really, it was neat because, uh, and it was, a lot of dry fly fishing. So I have done a fair bit of that. We, we do a lot of it for brook trout, but right. I mean, it's like the culture down there. So I really like the challenge of learning that uh, in more detail. I really, I definitely learned a lot that's going to help with, with uh, fishing up the lodge as well. Yeah. Um, just, it was just different. It was fly fishing your brains out all day long. It was awesome. Oh man. That sounds super cool. And are you doing, do you get to do much travel in the off season? We do typically uh, as a family. Uh, nice. So we, we've, we've always Research. done, yeah, yeah. We've always done the March break, uh, trip. And so typically yeah. it's been in Florida a fair bit, but nice. always on the coast and always, uh, the one nice thing about a fly rod is you can pack it down to a pretty, yep. uh, it'll fit in a suitcase actually, kitty corner. Yeah. And I, I do have a, one quick funny story. So oh, yeah. uh, a couple of years ago, we we're heading down to, um, Tampa and we're going to go on the Gulf side, uh, stay at a place down there. And I uh, kind of snuck my flaw, my uh, my eight weight, <laughs> in, on, in my wife's suitcase, which is she's got a, the biggest suitcase, of course. Yeah. So it fit perfectly in their kitty corner and buried it under all the stuff. 
we get to the airport and go to pick up our luggage and her bag is not there. And it's like, okay, this is not good. So we, we go to the baggage claim and that, and there was this container in there that was suspicious. So it was, um, you know, like a fly rod container yep. in her suitcase. <laughs> and yeah, so I had to go do a little bit of shopping with her oh, right man. after that. <laughs> we, we didn't get it to two year, two days later. Yeah. But, um, so I did learn something from that. Uh, <laughs> carry on the fly rod. Don't stick it in your wife's suitcase. Yes, carry on your fly yeah, rod. Yeah, that's, that's good advice. That's, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. They go, things go <laughs> missing. Did you catch any fish on that trip? Did you actually get to fish? Yes. Oh, yeah, okay, we, that's for good. sure. So uh, a lot of my son, uh, my son uh, Liam and I tend to get out a, a lot. So yep. uh, nice. we would uh, catch uh, ladyfish, sea trout. Nice. Uh, we caught those crevel and also uh, mackerel. So, yeah, there's, you know, there's all kinds of crazy stuff down there. Oh, Super yeah. fun. That's yeah, it, it's really good. We went to uh, the Keys one year yeah. uh, chasing tarpon in that uh, big barracuda. And that was a whole, that was a very cool thing. So, yeah, usually our trips are a little bit of a combination of uh, there's some fishing involved yeah. along with the family trip. Yeah. Hey, it's right on. To do it. That's great. How about you guys? You guys have really started to get around and where's the furthest place that you've been? Oh, geez. Um, well, Hearst? actually, yeah, Hearst in Ontario. Hearst was Hearst was a heck of a trip for us because that was oh, our okay. that was our first real like fly in fishing trip, um, and especially you know in Ontario too. It was it was so cool to see that side of the province, you know. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Nice. But I, I, it's tough this year because about uh, sort of this time last year, I was actually with um, with Yilma, the other fellow in the podcast, um, who couldn't be here today, but. We were fishing in uh, South Africa because we went to do a work job there. And so we got to go fly fishing there. Oh. And that was super foreign yeah. and, you know, cool and just different and sure. amazing, you know. Yeah. For rainbows. For rainbows, yeah, in the mountains. It was <laughs> That was cool. But, it, you know, Patagonia is, I got to say, if, if I were to answer if you could fish anywhere in the world right now, Patagonia might be, uh, I think that might be at mm-hmm. the top of the list. I will be, I'll be doing that trip again. Yeah. That oh, for sure. Yeah. That's awesome. I would love to do that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Number three is what is your best uh, or favorite fishing memory? You talked about a couple of them early on about your favorite fish, but favorite fishing memory. My fa- my favorite fishing memory. I think it would be uh, when um, when my wife and I first uh, met, uh, and uh, we were. Uh, heading up on a on, on a fishing trip or uh, down the river um, to chase brook trout on the Isnagami River, uh, so uh, you know she really hadn't done a lot of uh, you know she's not a hardcore fisher like myself by any means, but yeah. she does like catching fish. We'll put it that way. Yeah. Uh, so we were we were down and it was a it was in about the second week of July, so it was really it was warming up and the, the mm-hmm. trout once the water does warm up and that they tend to move out of the river and they go to spring holes. So, so they're really hard to find and it's really not a, a great time up there to to go. Uh, so I had heard from an old timer that uh, he would go through the river and drag his hand along as he was going. When he felt cold water, it was oh okay now there must be a spring somewhere. And okay. So, uh, we were just going down the river, catching lots of walleyes, just having you know beautiful, beautiful day, enjoying a day on the river. And we go through this one area, and, and I, I see that there's a little bit of weed structure as I'm coming around a corner, and there's a nondescript beaver pond and a little creek going the other way, and the weeds were kind of um, leaning downstream, so there was a current there. So 
that memory st- stuck in my mind that, oh, you put, so I put my hand in the water. Yeah. It was cold. Yeah. I go, oh, okay. So we turn the canoe around where we paddle up this little stream yeah. and we get to where there's, a, it widens out a bit and there's a beaver lodge and we pull over a pool there. And so I, I'm, I'm paddling over, look down and I see uh, like about two dozen, two and a half dozen fish, maybe 30 fish or so. And oh. I said, oh, there's a whole bunch of suckers in here. And then we turned the canoe and the light changed. I looked down and they were like brook trout. And I said, oh my God, God. it's a spring hole. It's like, it is, it's true. So (laughs) we we kind of backed our way out of there and uh, started fishing a little bit. And and, uh, Sue caught uh, like a 20 inch brook trout. was the first fish that she ever caught. Oh man. And it's like, you know, I'd already fished the river, but you know, I, you don't see them like that all the time, at least in the early years. And I, you know, we, we get this fish in and net it and, and hold it up for a picture. And she says, is this a good one? I'm going up, babe. <laughs> Smile. And, Why did you can? Guys fish their whole lives yes. and never catch a fish like that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that, that's, that's my story. I, I definitely, uh, oh, that's man. one of my favorite memories. That is a great memory. Oh my God. I could picture, I could picture seeing the, looking down, seeing the fish. I don't know what I would do if I saw that many big brook trout like that in a little pool. I'd freak out, probably flip the canoe. It's really to, cause I, you know, I've, we've seen suckers before, like yeah. schools of suckers or, or whatever. And, and at first it, I thought, you know, I had no idea that you know, there's no way there can be that many trout. Yeah. Stuff. But when the light changed and I was able to look down and they were all brook trout. Oh my God. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. Jeez. Incredible. Okay. Great story. Love that story. Love it. <laughs> Number four is why do you fly fish? Why do you fly fish? What do you get out of fly fishing? I fly fish because uh, the challenge of fly fishing, you know, I fished my whole life, but I, I came to fly fishing about the last, like I said, 10, 15 years. Yeah. I, I just love the challenge, uh, learning to fly fish, learning to, to cast, and, and now taking a step further, tying flies and that. So I, I enjoy the challenge of going after a lot of the fish that I've caught other, other uh, methods. And it's just so satisfying to, you know, I think with fly fishing, that the difference with it is, is you're it's so hands-on the whole time that you're fishing. Uh, you know, like if you're if you're jigging or, or or whatever, you cast your jig over and you yeah. you, you know you, you let it sit there. But fly fishing is a constant motion, mending. Yeah. You read the water, so I really enjoy that that part of it uh, for sure. Yeah. And I think just uh, when you do get it all right and, and you you get that perfect cast out there and, and the right retrieve and you run it through the right seam and you get a hit you know the 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 response and it's just so phenomenal that it's very exciting so yeah. I, I think just the challenge of it and the rewarding of, of using a, a type of fishing that requires uh, you know a, a little bit more uh, of effort and, and reading and that um, and it's just fun. I mean, it's yeah. it's it's a fun thing to do. Absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, I've uh, steelhead fishing. There's many times where I'm in a hole and I, I'm spay casting, and yeah. and you know I I caught a fish or I fished the hole for a bit, so I, I'm going to move on. And I'll say, okay, I've one more good cast, one yeah. more you know, <laughs> one more good cast, yeah. and then it's like 25 minutes later, yeah. I'm still there fishing. So <laughs> it just you know the time passes, but it's just such a you know it's just a, it's uh, such a fun, challenging sport, and it's, yeah. you want to get better at it all the time, no matter what stage you're at. Totally. I think mm-hmm. uh, keeps people locked in. Totally, yeah, certainly. I mean, yeah. yeah, you can go your whole life and and you know always be learning something. It's amazing. I tell that to yeah, people yeah. who don't fly fish and they're like, really? Like how, how much is there? To, they're like, 
even the podcast. So like, you have a fly fishing podcast. What are you talking about over? But it's just, there's so much to talk about. It's always changing. And it's amazing how, how that is with fly fishing. Yeah. I, I think it's also, you know, it's all over the world too. You know, it isn't yeah. something, I think at one time it used to be kind of like an old school, you know, already pretty people would hold it close to their, you know, it wasn't a lot of information about fly fishing, but yeah. you know, of course there's our social, uh, uh, media you know ability to, to get out there we can see that you know worldwide you're joined by as many people that mm-hmm. love fly fishing as, as you are locally too yeah. so i think yeah. that's, a, that's a kind of a neat thing about it as well mm-hmm. totally totally okay number five and the last of mitchie's fishies five is uh what fly pattern represents you best and why if you were a fly what fly would you be for Fishing for big pike yeah. uh, up at Esnagami, I would, it's, it, they're bait fish patterns. Okay. So uh, I, I, in fact, uh, I don't know if this is uh, seeable here, but so tilt, this would be. Yeah, if you, uh, tilt your, if you tilt the camera down. Yeah, yeah. So Eric's got is, a fly in front of him. There's this uh, a fly right, right here that is uh, kind of like a deceiver modification. It's, it's okay. made out of uh, uh just like a artificial yak hair or, yep. or that kind of thing. So uh, bait, bait fish, but this is not a big fly for us. We use uh, this to be, I'd say a smaller size pike fly uh, more for early in the year when the bait fish are just starting to move into the shallows. And then as the season progresses, you know, we would use bigger flies, uh, jointed, articulate, articulated. Uh, but uh, I think this bait fish pattern, if I had a one go-to fly uh, deceiver, type of whether it's a smaller or larger size it's, it's definitely a very easy tie uh, fly to tie yep. and it's a very effective one as well i took a picture of it i love it it's such a great photo <laughs> yeah it looks like an awesome fly i love that that's great yeah amazing well that's it for mitchie's fishies five i love those answers it's so cool great fly yeah patagonia oh my god um oh, so good and that brook trout story is awesome oh yeah god it makes yeah. me want to go fishing so bad right now what are you looking forward to this year? Like when it comes yeah. to the, the season up at Estagami, like what are you looking forward to most? Well, just being able to open and yeah. for this year, is such mm-hmm. a crazy year. Like I said, normally we would already be at the lodge for almost two weeks, getting camp open and ready to go. And, and that, mm-hmm. and so just, this is the first time in almost 30 years I've been down in Southern Ontario this time of year. Jeez. So I'm seeing leaves come out on trees. Yeah. I'm seeing flowers, stuff I've haven't seen for many, many years. As basically, when you, when you go up north that time of year, you're taking a step back at least a month in your in your time. So, uh, I am just looking forward to, uh, especially all. There's a lot of guests that are calling, wondering what's going to happen. Uh, our staff just getting back up in a place that is beautiful, yeah. and you know, open up, run our business, and, and see people enjoying themselves. Yeah. And uh, I can't say that I'm catching a couple of nice fish on a fly rod might not be something i'm looking forward yeah. to so just getting it back out there and enjoying what we do for a living yep uh, that's great hopefully soon um so we're going out there this year right so this is kind of a pre-podcast yeah um which is cool which will be cool because then we can see what what happens on the trip and talk about what happened on the trip so how eric how do we get ready for the trip like what what yeah. flies should we be getting what rods should we be getting yeah sure so yeah. Once we do get a reservation, that's when we get to work and we get a lot of information into our guest hands. And we, we arrange, uh, obviously, travel flight times for them into the lodge and also what type of equipment to bring up. And it's a very good question because 
the success of fishing anywhere is, is, I mean, you need to have fish, obviously, where you're going, but also what is as important is having the right equipment, the right gear, and, uh, you know, having it with you when you get up there. So we send up quite a comprehensive list of what to bring along with you. Um, if you only had one fly rod uh, to bring for each kind of fish up there, uh, a six weight for the for the brook trout would be the smallest you want to go. Okay. And then, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Such a big rod. Yeah. Well, to me, it's not. To me, well, no, it's to you, Yeah, to us, we're like, whoa. Uh, because I have had on a lot of occasions uh, trout on that hit, and I, haven't st- I couldn't stop them. They just would start running down the river and yeah. even if you had an eight weight on it would be interesting um, having said that so a six weight for the brook trout and uh, and then an eight weight for the pike yeah that would be the minimum size for pike fishing and it's not that you can't land big fish on an eight weight it is more casting larger flies yeah uh, tougher if you don't have a little more backbone and, and mm-hmm. so i prefer 10 weight for for pike and, and six weight for uh, the uh, rook trout, yeah. uh, walleyes, your sixth weight or your 10 weight would work for that. Yeah. We all have many more <laughs> rods than that. I know you guys do too. Yeah. Yep. For those guests who uh, don't have a lot of equipment, you don't need to go out and, you know, buy four or five and six. If you had a six weight and a, an eight or 10, you're fine. Yeah. We also have plenty of equipment up at the lodge and we're more than happy to loan, you know, if you don't have that kind of thing. And then, uh, you know, we'll send a list of flies down, what to have. And you can, you know, you order from, you know, I I know real flies. I don't know if you know, uh, uh, he's out of, I think, um, water, uh, uh, Woodstock area. There you can order flies from a a fly shop, uh, basic basic deceiver, minnow patterns for for pike. For brook trout, uh, there are, uh, you know, we use both wet uh, surface flies. We use uh, streamers and dry flies too. Once you get to mid-June, you can start to have fun using dry flies. And these would be like caddis, uh, Chernobyl ants are, uh, ants are awesome. Bombers, that's a type of fly that's used on the West Coast for salmon. And uh, uh, say there are uh, different ways to fish them. The Chernobyl ants, for example, I basically never even knew what they were. But when I was guiding guests that were spin fishing, I would set them up with floats, just like steelheading. Uh, and... Uh, you know, there was several occasions on a couple of trips down where as soon as that float hit the water and it was the orange and black, um, I, I think they're blackbird, I'm not sure what kind they were, a fish would hit it. Like, boom, as soon as it hit the water, especially in the really fast water. Yeah. Huh. After a bit, I thought, okay, I need to tie a fly up that looks like a bobber kind of thing. Yeah. So I <laughs> dug up some elastics and foam and I tied together this ugly, you know, Chernobyl. And, and I later found out, oh, they, they actually, this is a thing. Yeah. So, uh, and then also a, a really fun way that I enjoy fishing up there for a brook trout when uh, when you have uh, caddis matches going on uh, is skating uh, a fly. Oh man, yeah. So with that technique cool. there, uh, basically you're fishing kind of quicker water in front of you, and you don't do a, you just do a roll cast for that, and uh, you know roll out maybe about twenty feet and hold the pole high, and just as the flies on the surface, you just pull it in and you you. you skated across the surface right. and there's nothing more exciting than seeing trout come up and smash that. So yeah, that's, I can a, imagine. that's a great technique. So uh, again, we have a lot of flies up at the lodge yeah. and we can, you know, if you don't get up there and have the right stuff that works, we can either tie them up or you can buy them in the lodge. But um, I, I think I sent you guys a, a picture earlier of a fly board that we use and I send that to guests so they can actually see because right. a lot of 
a lot of people like to tie them in flies ahead of time. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, well, our, our local shop here is Drift Outfitters, so we'll be stocking up on flies and probably some materials too so we can, I mean, we've got so much time before, you know, we come up there, we'll probably do some tying as well. So yeah. uh, we're stocked up. But uh, man, that sounds like, uh, yeah, I'm super excited. Thanks thanks again for, for inviting us out there and uh, it's going to be great. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And as I mentioned earlier, it's uh, it's so fun to share the experience and I can mm-hmm. tell you guys are going to enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh my God. Yeah. I can tell that too. And hopefully we get to uh, share a boat together as well. Yeah, yeah. so well, I, I definitely would do, will do that. And, awesome. Uh, um, Especially this year too, we probably aren't going to be quite as busy. So, um, you know, we'll definitely be stretching some line out there together. Wicked! Can't wait. So, looking forward to that. So, silver lining. I mean, obviously, you don't. You've had cancellations because you know American clients, but it means that Canadians can come up in June, which is usually pack solid, right? Right. It June tends to be a very busy month, mostly because it's the peak time for brook trout in right. our neck of the woods, and we have a 85% repeat business. So there, you know, there's been years and years and years since there's been any openings available in some of those weeks. Yeah. And this year, the one, uh, I guess, as you say, it's silver lining is that for the first time we, we do have some spots available in June. Uh, you know, once, once we are able to open that uh, you can come up and experience the mm. bike and walleye fishing and then uh, do a river trip as well. And, and chase mm-hmm. nice uh, rookies around so yeah that's that is a silver lining for sure well those listening at home you know if you're planning on uh, maybe making a trip somewhere um and want to get somewhere extremely wild but maybe stay relatively close to home check out stay stay in touch with uh with estangami lodge and and keep uh checking the updates about what's going on because yeah i mean that brook trout in in you know northern ontario sounds pretty awesome especially four pound brook trout yes yeah. skating <laughs> flies for four so, pound trout you know, four or five pound brook trout don't come every cast, Yeah. but the average size just sort of, you know, cue you in it, it is about a pound and a half. So around 16 to 17 inches, that's, that's, that's the amazing. average size fish there. Uh, we rarely get them under a foot in under 12 inches. I don't think those fish, they don't stay in the river because they probably would get eaten. Uh, so, uh, you know, if you're used to catching smaller brook trout, yeah, we start at about 16 inches, 17 inches. <laughs> That's so crazy. <laughs> yeah, we're used to catching smaller brook trout. We're like three to the six inch range. <laughs> and that's what I meant by that story about being a kid and fishing those little creeks. If yeah. you, Because I have had the occasional person that's come up and they have not brook trout fished before and guided them, take them down the river and they yeah. caught it, you know, you know, 19, 20, 21 inch brook trout. And wow, these things fight great. This is so good. And like, you know, is this a good fish? And I'm going, Oh God, you know what? <laughs> I wish you would have been on your hands and knees as a kid. Cause this yeah. is so amazing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Man. yeah. Jeez. Well, that's fun that you get to uh, experience that all and, and appreciate it too. So geez. Well, we're looking forward to it, Eric. Thank, thanks so much for coming on the show. It was awesome yeah. to, uh, to chat thank about your fly fishing yeah. life and hear more about thank you. the lodge. Thank you guys yeah. as well. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. Um, Eric, where can people, where can people book or how can people find the lodge? Um, uh, probably the easiest ways to judge just, uh, get on uh, Google and, and type in Esnagami. And then we have several forms of contact. Uh, you can uh, email us there. Our, our contact numbers are, are on it. Mm. And, uh, you know, we'll respond, uh, whatever way we can and, uh, open up the conversation and, and, and hopefully we'll look forward to, uh, having putting a, a trip together for you. Right awesome. on. 
yeah, yeah. And we'll put the link to uh, to the lodge uh, in the show notes as well, so you can check that out. Um, but thanks again. It was super cool talking about uh, talking about the lodge and and also just being able to take a break from this COVID stuff and and talk about some really amazing sounding fishing. Absolutely, just just talking shop is, is yeah mobile. yeah absolutely. Thank you guys, really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, thanks, no Sarah. problem, no problem. We'll uh, we'll we'll be chatting soon. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Okay, take yeah. care. Have take a good care. weekend. Thanks. Yeah, you as well. Stay safe. Eric. Stay safe. Right. Bye. Eric. Hi. What a cool guy. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just but, right uh, all I heard was Kah. Oh. <laughs> I'm assuming you said Eric. <laughs> I did. Yeah, what a great show. It was good. That's awesome. I like it just looks from all the pictures and just where the place is. Um Oh yeah. I mean Nikina's like it's, it's like a so far. Yeah, I know. It's like way it's out amazing. there. It's amazing. Like, like a true northern wilderness. Oh yeah. I'm looking forward to going up there. Uh, oh hell yeah. In June. It's going to be fun. Oh, it's going to be so fun. Yeah. Imagine getting a brook trout. It's like what you said about Texas. Like if I could just hold one redfish or yeah. if I could just hold C1 or if you catch one. Yeah. Oh man. I know. Like a I'll fish like that. I'll just lose it. Like I've never seen a brook trout that big. I know. Skating, skating flies to brook trout that are four pounds. Like, oh my God. Yeah. Not sure. It sounds awesome. Yeah, like a wild brook trout like that too. Yeah, not like a, you know, a pond stocky. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's so sick. Yeah, it's gonna be good. Well, you've been out fishing the last couple of days, haven't you? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I took the cue from the province, and I was like, uh, okay, well, if you're gonna, if you guys are gonna open up parks and conservation areas, Man. I'm going fishing. Yeah, yeah. You and uh, Yelma and Josh on the fly went out. Yeah, and Adis too from. We helped us shoot uh, Tulum. Nice. Um, yeah, me and Josh went out. Yeah, we went out that one time with Yoma, and we had a we had a we had an awesome day. Yeah, got into some good fish. Josh caught the craziest rainbow I've ever seen on the. <laughs> yeah, it was huge. It was like a twenty inch fish. Yeah, I was like, okay. We all caught fish. It was a great day, and it was awesome. And then Josh and I went back out again, fished a different stretch of the credit, and it was like even wilder yeah we put a bunch of fish in the net and it was really funny it was like it was kind of it was cold and rainy and like foggy yeah and then at one point like this these gusts of warm sweet smelling air started Ooh. pushing down the river yeah. it was like walking by you know like when a house has like the dryer exhaust going yeah yeah and it was kind of like that i was like this is kind of weird and then the and then the fog lifted the air temperature raised and, and there was a washing machine was... on the side of the river yeah and then i looked over and i was actually just a, a laundromat <laughs> sorry no no, Hendrickson's, but, uh, yeah. no, no. <laughs> but, but it was funny the fog lifted and then all uh, hendrickson started coming up that's wicked oh my god and the fishing like it was already pretty good and then it got really good after that and uh, and it was a wild day and uh, we i caught it i was on a euro and like two weight yeah and i hooked a steelhead Oh my God. That's so I unexpected. Like, I was like, this is the biggest brown trout I've ever caught in my, Oh, it's a steelhead. Oh my God. And it just, I didn't break off or anything. It just was like sitting at the bottom of the pool, just, just being like, okay, try and move me. Yeah. And I was on seven X and I'm like, well, I'm obviously not going to. So I just yeah. had to kind of break him off. Cause I was like, this isn't going anywhere. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I hooked it. It jumped. It ran. And then it just took off. And then and it your just line broke. We can. We were just watching it. We just. We just. We were watching it hunkered down at the bottom of the pool. I'm like, well, I just have to break this off. Yeah. 
So sorry for the piercing, Mr. Steelhead or yeah. Mrs. Steelhead. Wow, what a weird place for Steelhead to be hanging out because you were pretty high up too, right? Yeah, apparently they got uh, the dam overflowed further oh, downstream right. okay. at one point this winter and a bunch of them jumped over. Wow. Nature, man. Yeah. Jeff Goldblum. Nature finds a way. Yeah. Unstoppable. Well, it's nice that you've been able to get out and catch some trout, and yeah, the pictures have looked awesome. Like you guys have been uh, doing pretty well catching the some nice early uh, early season browns. Oh hell yeah! On the river. Yeah, yesterday we were on the Grand, and the Hendrickson's were just like going mental. Yeah, that's that awesome. river just that river's hatches are crazy. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking about maybe going out for some walleye tonight. Walleye opened a couple weeks ago, or a week ago, something like that. So I might nice. go do that. I still haven't done it because I need to get some gas from a boat. It rained the other day, and it's also filled with water, so I gotta drive it around the bay a few times with the plug taken out, drain that thing out. Oh hell yeah! Meow. Drift to drift to Clouser or something? Yeah, crayfish, just big crayfish, crayfish pattern. Just drop that right to the bottom and just drift. Exactly, yeah, with my full sink line, just drift around uh, around the bay and see if I can catch a little walleye. It'd be kind of fun, catch and release, put That'd it back. Would be super fun. Yeah. A but walleye fishing. The weather's supposed to get to start to get warm right now. It's nice. It's been a weird. Very weird spring here in Ontario. Everybody listening, it's uh, it's been cold, like and oh yeah, super cold. Yeah, windy and rainy and snow and stuff like that, all the way up until a couple of days ago, really. And then, oh, yeah. um, the forecasts now are all kind of everything's sitting around fifteen. And it's going to start to get around twenties, twenty fives next week, mm-hmm. next weekend. So that's going to be awesome. That just puts life back into you, you know. Yeah, that does. That does. Yeah. Um, for sure. And uh, another note. Um, we're supposed to get a really big rainfall. Um, despite the fishing being good, I think it would have been better. The both the credit and the grand were really low. Oh, really? Otherwise, really low. Oh. And so I think they were supposed to get like something. They're forecasting for like forty millimeters today, and then like another five the next day, and another ten the next day. So that's going to really yeah. put the rivers into some awesome shape yeah. for sure. And then, like you said, raising temps, it's going to be it's going to yeah. be rad. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, uh, I just noticed, um, I realized Eric's last name is Lund, which is like your predisposition oh, to fish with that's true. that kind of last name. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> that's so true. Yeah. He's uh, he's quite the angler, you know, he's been to some cool places and um, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, running a world-class fly fishing lodge in fishing lodge in Northern Ontario is, yeah, you got to be pretty, uh, pretty into uh, fishing and, and guiding and I uh, can't wait to get on the water with him. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, it sounds like he's got a, a whole lifetime of knowledge. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That Brook Trout story, I, man, oh, my God. I love that. Yeah, me too. Just imagine that moment. That'd be so fun. He'd be f- just, I'd be freaking. Yeah. Like hundreds, <laughs> just like a bunch, just like a big school of giant Brook Trout under your canoe. I'd be like, oh, my God, where am I? I'd be freaking. Those are the places that people talk about, you know? It's like, oh, there's Brook, there's amazing Brook Trout spots in Ontario. It's like, yeah, once you, like, get into the woods, you know? like. Oh, yeah. It looks like you found one of them. Oh yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, and I love how I he start. I I would say that he started fly fishing kind of for the same reason I started fly fishing. I, I saw. Yeah, I was. We we're down. We we're down here actually, for a, like when I was like yeah ten. Yeah. For a wedding for my mom's best friend's wedding, and they lived in Mississauga near Sixteen Mile Creek, and I just watched this. Fly angler just pick off fish cast after cast and i'm sure i think they're probably just like bass or sunfish or something yeah but still i was just like at, it was at that moment when yeah. i was like i was like well i have to do this that looks cool yeah look how many fish he's catching yeah plus it just looks and, so fun you know 
Oh, it's so fun. I did, I, at that point, it was about catching fish, and I didn't realize how much fun yeah. the, whole, the whole process was. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Great. Man. Are you, yeah, did you on the lake. Yeah, man. On the lake. I just built a Muskoka chair this morning. Not from scratch. It's like a kit. Um, I was like, what? <laughs> whipped up a Muskoka chair. No, I found it in the basement, and I was like, hey, I'm going to build this thing. There's another one I'm going to build, then I'm going to verithane them and put them outside, and that's that's How, the, my how the flow tube's looking? God, I pass those things uh, every day, and I'm like, Jesus, they look good. They're ready to go. I think nice. I, I think at the end of this month, yeah, if you guys did want to come up here for a weekend, we'd go fish, uh, take those tubes in, take your water master, and just go fish Splake for a couple days. Go fish Splake. That would be super fun. Yeah. yeah. Do you know if they if they put them back in that lake this year? Uh, they I have checked, and they have. They have. I'm not sure if they stocked it yet this year, but last year they definitely they did. And it, it looks like, it looks like pretty much every year they they do the same amount. So, so yeah, I'm I'm pretty hopeful. Amazing. Yeah. And yeah, that would be super fun, and, and that'd be so so fun. Yeah, sure. Backwoods Lake. It's early the season. We don't usually, you know, fish out here this time of year, um, because uh, it's a bass place we go right. So, but splake, I mean, like that's got to imagine it's gonna be. Uh, it could be a couple, well. Couple I caught days. two very small splake. Like, um, when you spent a couple hours there, you guys, and I spent like, like not very long out there. Okay. All. Okay. So while I was waiting, be... I was waiting for you guys to come up from Toronto. It's gotta be some better ones then. We'll find them. Oh, man. for sure. We'll I mean, them. I can't, I can't just with the amount of people in that area, which is not many. Yeah. I can't imagine. And like you said, most people are so bass and walleye focused. I can't oh, totally. Imagine. There are the big lakes trolling for walleye. Yeah. I can't imagine, uh. No, a whole a whole lot of people doing that. No, no, I don't know. But there's also there's also some muskie out here from uh, from from what I know. I haven't f- been able to find them, but um, I know of some spots that we could also check out. And there's rainbow trout too. So there's actually quite a few little spots we could go to. There's just, a lot of just try. Yeah. Oh, what was the lake that I stayed on last year? That was Opa. That was in Opa. Yeah. 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 Because we could we could there's rainbow trout in that lake. But you know what? Too- there's this little pond. There's a smaller lake that's stocked with um, rainbows every year that I know about. And I've never Ooh. fished it because it's kind of like down a, a Jeep type of trail. You know what I'm saying? Like I couldn't, I Honda couldn't, I took my Honda down it when I was 18 or something like that. And I hit a big rock and I was like, I can't get in here. I, my Honda's going to like die. So I, I turned around, Gotcha. but it's uh, from what I know, it's like I've, I would probably aching it to one of those Calabogie style rainbow <laughs> trout lakes, you know, like Bing that like we used to do out in Westport, that kind mm-hmm. of thing where it's smaller float tubable, and there's just rainbows and you just drift sinking lines. So I'm thinking maybe we could even try that and see what we, I mean, you never oh, know. I would love to, I would love to do that. Maybe we you just, never know, right? You never know. Maybe it's like, this is the greatest thing we've ever found. And then we could just do that every year, you know, like who knows? Exploring is definitely fun. Yeah. So there's, there's potential, for especially that. when you have like a cottage to go to. At the end of the day. Well, in this year too, it's just like, who knows what's going on. So it's like, Hey, yeah, exactly. Like got a cottage. Like, wait a second. There's tons of explorable water here. Like let's spend mm-hmm. some time up here and, See what we can do. Yeah. So Okay, cool. I love that plan, man. Yeah. Well Well, thanks everybody. Thanks for listening. For listening. And yeah, you know what? Check out check out Estagami Lodge and, and what Eric's doing up there and um stay in touch with uh, their updates, especially if you're thinking of planning a trip because man, it looks like an awesome place. Go look at the pictures. It's a pretty sweet looking place. Yeah, I mean it's a trip of a lifetime type place. Yeah. The fish of a lifetime, and it sounds pretty cozy. Like they yeah. take care of everything if you want them to. Oh yeah, they've got it all thought through. Thirty years, you know, in business. Uh, I think you uh, you learn a few, th- a couple of things of how to run a great lodge. 
How great is that though? All you have to do is worry about fishing. You just show up, they cook the meals. So good. So and good. All you gotta worry about is did you tie your knots correctly? Yeah, I mean it like it's you know, and if you've never done a fishing trip like this before, like consider it because God, it's fun. Like you'll you'll remember it for forever. Oh you know? yeah. Like it's just uh that Hearst trip changed us, like was, my perspective on Yeah, it's just such a memorable experience, you know, like you think back on it and you remember the fish and the moments and yeah, it's fun. So check them out. Esnagami Lodge. The link is in the show notes. And um, yeah, Google them mm-hmm. and see the pictures. And Thanks for listening. I hope everybody out there is doing well. And you can enjoy some time on the Huata soon, mm-hmm. uh, wherever mm-hmm. you may be. Um, mm-hmm. Yilma will be back on the next show. And uh, so look forward to maybe some Factor Fishy next show. Whoa. We'll do some Factor Fishy on the next the next episode. We've got... Wow. Uh, well, we've got... Uh, Got uh, Joe from, from Costa. Costa coming on, and we're going to talk about the uh, cult that is striper fishing. Can't wait to talk about that. I really want. Joe to lives down fishing. in Ma- Bo- uh, just outside of Boston. Boston. And he, uh, I know he. The schools have moved in, and I've been looking at his Instagram, and he looks like he's getting into some stripers. So I'm stoked to talk to him about that. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. That's so cool, oh. striper fishing. I love it. I wonder if he's moderately annoyed that he's got to do a podcast. Yeah. Of going. <laughs> I know. You know how those striper guys are. Oh my God, totally. They're like, the tide, the tide is perfect. Yeah. Go, go, go. Hey. What do you mean? Fair enough. He can always ask us to move it. I'm, if it's, that's the case, I'm no problem, baby. Um, I understand. I know you know. <laughs> well, uh, that's it for me, Mitch Aldo. Take care, everybody. I hope everybody's staying safe and healthy. Thanks for listening and see you later. You can find all of SoFly's content at SoFly.ca. On Instagram, we're at the SoFly Crew. You can reach us at thesoflycrew at gmail.com with any questions, comments, or concerns. On Facebook, we're SoFly, and our podcast is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify.